0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Alex.
1: And this is Connor. Welcome to the Sales Engineering Podcast.
0: We are really excited to bring on Kendra Searle, a large enterprise account executive at Slack. If you work at Slack, she needs no introduction. But if you don't, she has been involved with the largest and most strategic deals at Slack. She truly is one of the best AEs in the world. I feel lucky to be on the same team as her and lucky to have this conversation with her about what creates a strong AE-SE partnership from the AE perspective. We're going to talk about how she creates an operating model with her SE partner, how to build trust and empathy, how we can address tensions that arise in the sales cycle, and so much more. Get ready to learn from a humble, thoughtful, and experienced AE. Welcome to the Edge of Sales Engineering. Hey Kendra, Connor and I are so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about the A E S E partnership from the AE perspective.
2: I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for the 45 minutes or hour that we have ahead of us. Let's rock and roll.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. I think this is going to be an awesome conversation. But Kendra, to get us started, tell us a little bit more about who you are and your path to the account executive role.
2: Sure. So I was born here in San Francisco. I'm based in San Francisco still, currently working out of my house, as we all are, but I grew up in the in the Bay Area. And I remember at a very young age being very um curious about anything and everything. I asked all the questions. I challenged why things were the way they were. And if the answer wasn't good enough, I was always trying to understand, you know, (laughs) is there a better way or I want to find a better way. and, And I'm sharing that with you for two reasons. One is it really led me to, so first of all, I've been working for as long as I kind of remember, I was selling lemonade and cookies and baked goods on the corner of our block growing up. And um, obviously, you know, the rest is history. Now it's, I chuckle to myself thinking, oh, I was, I was selling, you know, right around the time I was learning to ride a bike. But um, the second reason I I share the background is, you know, going on 14, 15 years of my professional career, I realized looking back to early on in my childhood and things that are very core to who I am have actually become foundation blocks to my becoming an excellent AE. And at the time, I, I just didn't know that. But we'll fast forward, I ended up leaving the Bay Area. I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Ride high, you Mustangs. Nice, I nice. <laughs> I studied graphic communication, which is a hybrid of graphic design and digital communication, obviously um, with a focus on sustainability and focus on you know, communicating, which are also core to the account executive role. So. Fast forward, I ended up graduating from Cal Poly during the Great Recession, and I would have taken any job that was given to me truthfully, but the job that I ended up taking was an AE role, and I've really worn a couple different hats. I've, I've seen the customer through every phase of the customer life cycle. I've held, like I said, the SDR role, BDR, AE. I've built built out retention and renewals teams. I've done global accounts. I've done enterprise, large enterprise, so I really have intentionally tried to both understand and master every part of the customer lifecycle, and that is, you know, my my long-winded way of you know sharing kind of how how I got here to to this seat as um, you know an AE. I'm I'm currently sitting in the large enterprise team here at Slack, and um, it's. It's it's been a fun fun journey. I'm excited to you know share more about my experiences today.
1: Yeah, well, well, thanks for opening it up with that. I mean, it, it sounds like not only your upbringing and being in the Bay Area and just kind of how you naturally were as a person and your interests kind of led you down this path of of sales specifically. And I mean, you you talked a little bit about uh, experience uh, having this different experience in the customer lifecycle. And not only that, you've, you've done it at some of the top companies in the world, right? And which is pretty impressive and amazing. And uh, I was just curious, during all of this uh, growth in your career thus far, um, what's one of the the bigger professional setbacks that you've had on this journey? And, and I guess what ended up uh, empowering you to drive through and push through that moment?
2: Yeah, so this is... This is an interesting one for me because when I think about it, setbacks are really at the core of what our job is as an account executive. We, you know, there's not a day that goes by where I don't have a setback. There's not a day that goes by where I don't hear no,
0: no Mm -hmm. is the standard.
2: And it is, it is my job to find a way to yes. And so over the years, you build resiliency and grit and determination, and you learn to take it in in stride and really manage through those moments with, you know, class and, and tact. But of course, there are those times in my career where I remember them more vividly than others. Of course, there's, there's a time that I, I will share because I feel like this resonates with almost everyone that's been in their professional career at least a couple years and that's I remember very vividly going for a a role and I ended up not getting the role and anytime you go for a promotion of course you try to make sure that you dot every I and cross every T and check every box and you are prepared right to to go for this promotion and so of course you you hope that you get it and I remember when I actually found out that I didn't get the role I was on vacation and I was in Switzerland and so the time zone I was it I was I took a call at a weird hour and I was very tired I was exhausted because I was jet-lagged you can figure out how to move forward and you can figure out how to pick up the pieces and be better for it and be stronger for it and more resilient for it or you can get angry and hold on to that anger and resentment and all of the questions and emotions that you feel in a moment you can hang on to that or you can let it go you have to view it as an opportunity and not a loss and really gain that self awareness if it's appropriate if if it's a company that you are staying at and a company that you hope to grow with ask what you could have done better areas of growth areas of opportunity and build that resilience and focus on your strengths and your accomplishments and build that confidence back up but um yeah it's it's you never want to get rejection uh, but
1: oh of course yeah and <laughs> I, I i feel like I, i've been through that experience multiple times and i just love your person everyone has right like that's just the nature of going through the interview process with companies but i love your perspective and ultimately like the the perseverance that you have through the whatever setback comes your way it's it sounds perfectly in line in alignment with what account executives do every day, which is trying to go out and and get new business for the company. But
0: yeah, so let's jump into it. Switching gears to the episode topic and why we're here today. Today, we're going to be talking about the AESE partnership, specifically from an AE perspective. And again, I feel so lucky to be having this conversation with you. I know for people listening, uh, they might not know a ton of details about you. Uh, but you've worked at some incredible companies like Google, LinkedIn, Yelp, Box, and obviously now at Slack. I'm obviously biased. I also work at Slack. Uh, in a lot of ways, you're you're the gold standard as an AE. And this is coming from a... Oh my gosh. It, it, it's true. <laughs> There's definitely truth to that. And this is coming from a team at, at Slack that has a lot of incredible AEs. Yeah, I know you've been involved in in closing some of the largest and most strategic deals and customer engagements at Slack. So whether you're an SE today or you want to be an S E in the future, this is a foundational topic because you know, working with an AE counterpart like yourself is critical to the success as a as an SE and to our team's success and company's success. So again, super excited to to have this conversation. But Yeah, the yeah. pleasure's
2: mine. I'm really excited too. I'm already having so much fun. Okay, <laughs> that's
0: awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so let's jump into it. Why don't you tell me a, uh, more about the ideal AESE partnership and, and and what that looks like, and then maybe what are some of the specific qualities you yourself look for in an SE counterpart?
2: So uh, I'm trying to think about where to start here. There's there's so many different components, right? And selling any technical product really is a team effort. I haven't won anything alone, and that is core to my philosophy. You, as an AE, you have to be really good at playing both the hand you're dealt, but knowing when to play what card, and an SE is truly so core to any win that I've ever had, Um, and we really are a team, right? It's a team effort. You have complex engagements involving multiple components and you have integrations and workflows and customizations and every single company has a different tech stack and you have to work with your SE to uncover that and the the cycle is so complex in and of itself and one of the core pillars to any strong partnership or any foundation in my opinion or any team rather is you don't go into this partnership thinking okay how are we going to split the work i'm going to do this and you're going to do this you truly have to build an operating model around it internally and then you can go to market together as a team right so i would say first and foremost having that operating model and there's so many different inputs right to that model. You have to first and foremost, you have to truly understand one another. And over time you trust one another. But trust doesn't come the first time you, you meet someone or the first time you're assigned an SE. You're not going to immediately trust them. You have to both on both sides earn that trust. So really understanding strengths and weaknesses, being open and and communicative from the start around sharing those weaknesses, sharing those strengths. I always say um, to, to the SEs that I partner with, I do not see myself as a jack of all trades. I cannot do it all. And these are areas where I need you to see my blind spots. And it's you know around some of the very technical you know, portions of the conversation around infrastructure and architecture and all of our different um, you know, backend points in the engineering talk, that is not my strengths. If I need to, I can speak to it. If we're in a pinch and my SE can't come, fundamentally, this is also part of my philosophy. You should both have a base level understanding of each other's job. So if you ever needed to step in, you could, but it is, I don't see the AE-SE partnership as The SE will answer all the technical questions. The SE will do all of the um, security questionnaires and the SE will, you know, quote, do the work. I see the SE as my strategic counterpart and having that open communication, that open trust, and Those, I would say, would be, you know, the pillars and the first things that I think about when, you know, I think about what what a world-class partnership looks like from an AESC perspective.
0: Yeah, that was a a really great answer. I really agree with a lot of the pillars you touched on. But you talked about building or creating an operating model with your SE partner and and then going to market together and, and building trust that these things aren't earned. Can you share a bit more information about uh, what exactly an operating model looks like from your perspective, and and how do you actually go about building that trust?
2: Yeah, so there's obviously, uh, I mean, there's a whole spectrum, right? There's the very specific tactical things that we can do, and there's, you know, the highest level trust building of, uh, you know, I, I feel like once you're there, it's okay to, to you know, say, oh, you know, my, my daughter's right behind me, you don't see her because I have a a green screen up, but I'm on dad duty, and you know some people have no problem you know opening up right away, but that's not always the case. Some people you know definitely want to build that and there's there's a spectrum. so first i'll I'll touch on how I think about the operating model and then second, I'll talk about how I believe you can build that trust. Um, so the first is the operating model. so this is this can be as simple as um, you know, how do you like to work? Well, obviously Alex, you know this, but we live and breathe in Slack all day, every day, I have to put on focus mode. And there are periods throughout the day where I'm not going to check my DM. And so sharing how I work with my SE partner and figuring out if that works for him or her is very important. And just knowing that, like, hey, I'm not going to be on DM from uh, 10 to noon today. If you need anything, text or call me. That's okay. Obviously, we want to keep everything in in Slack for perpetuity. But I would say step one, just figure out how you both can get into the flows that you need to get into to do your best work. I don't do my best work if I'm interrupted every half hour on the. You know, every hour on the hour, multiple times throughout the day, I have to get into a flow state. And so that's just table stakes, having these conversations of this is how I work, this is how I work in Slack. I have a a private channel with my SE where we dump everything in. So strategically, you know, mapping our strategy around how we're gonna go try to penetrate into an account, that's also core to how we work every day is if i find some interesting nugget or i read something in the 10k or i hear something in the earnings call we pump those things into our private channel we have quick discussion around it and then we obviously take it back to a public cha- public channel and we say you know this is this is kind of our approach for the week or whatever those weekly one-on-ones just to check in saying hey am i missing anything this week what are you working on what do you need from me? There are times where I'll notice my SE is completely buried in the, you know, technical security questionnaires. And while there's not much that I can do to support, I ask anyway, because if I can, I will. And so for me, it's that model of, I always want him or her to feel like we're a team and my expectation is not that you take the orders or you do everything technical and that's it. You are my co-pilot in this. And obviously you don't have two pilots flying the plane, but at any point the co-pilot could come in and fly if necessary. And so I think about the SEAE partnership of, what do you need to do your best work? How do we integrate that into our, you know, daily, weekly, even hourly, if it's getting into a flow cadence and making that commitment. And if you, something comes up, being able to say, hey, something came up, I'm not going to be able to make our one-on-one this week. Can we move it? You know, whatever it is. Um, But to build trust that, like, you know, I mentioned, I, I believe that it does take time, but at the core to trusting your business partner, which is in this example, your solutions engineer, you have to say what you'll do and do what you've said you will. So very clear about these are the commitments I made in that meeting and then do it. And then when you get into that cadence of, oh, I I trust that This will get done, because that commitment was made. Um, Of course, you have to have the tactical stuff around meeting preparation. And one of my pet peeves is you get a meeting on the calendar and there's no agenda in the meeting. I mean, that's 101 to me, right? So if you are going into a customer-facing meeting, internal meeting, even the agenda can be just weekly one-on-one if it's just with your se it's customer facing that's you know a different different topic it should be more robust figuring out okay do you like to have a call before customer meetings or is a quick recap in slack okay obviously it depends on you know how important that meeting is but those are just some examples i could go on and on with tactics of how you can build that but i think It starts with the moment you're mapped to an SE or the moment you're paired. And again, I recognize there's different deal sizes. Some you just wanna take down a seed deal and you may not be as intricate with this process, but the foundation is the same, right? And the foundation is at minimum, you want to have the conversation around, this is how I do my best work. These are my expectations as an SE. How do you do, how do you do your best work? And what are your expectations as an AE? And then you say, okay, this is where we align. This is where we perhaps don't. How do we get there together? And you make that, I mean, it's the same thing with sales, right, you make that upfront contract, you get the commitment. And then if it ever feels off, you could go back and say, has anything changed? Do we need to relook at the way we work together?
0: Wow, yeah, that was such a great answer. And and you definitely touched on a few strategies that I, I guess, yeah, I hadn't really considered before that I really loved. And something you mentioned earlier as well is we have to understand what each other's role does so that we're able to step into the meeting where co-pilots we could take over and fly at a certain time. As SEs, what are, what are we missing or not understanding about our AE counterparts, uh, I know AEs do so much work. Uh, you hustle and work really hard to to get these opportunities to, to where we're going to be included in these meetings. Uh, but a lot of this stuff can go unseen by SEs and really by uh, uh, sales managers and, and a lot of people in the organization. So, what are some things we can do to have a little more empathy for uh, for an AE or our AE counterparts?
2: So SEs do a lot that goes unseen as well. There are definitely, I mean, we, we all have components of our job where we're probably like, oh, that's not my favorite part of my job, but it is part of my job. And that's why I get paid. Um, but I mean, I have so much respect for SEs and obviously all of the technical components that you manage and the security questionnaires. My bad, I, I can't believe, I mean, I, I'm not signing myself up for those. Um, so it goes both ways, right? But I think one thing that is core to having empathy, and this goes back to something that I mentioned a few minutes ago, but it's understanding, right? As AEs, there is, is u- it's usually majority of your compensation that is tied to your quota. And there is a lot of stress that comes with that. and. Sometimes it can be really heavy. If you have a big expense coming up or you have a mortgage to pay or you have to put a kid through school or you have a sick parent, whatever it is, we all have expenses and the uncertainty of paychecks that can come with carrying so much of your compensation as a variable can be quite stressful. And so there are times where I know AEs, myself included, can come off either very strong or you know whatever the word is you wanna say, but there's so much pressure. And so really just, and I'm not saying SEs don't, but just understanding that not only is our compensation on the line and that's hard because we all have to eat and we have to pay our bills, and we have to, you know, make a life that we love. But we our jobs can sometimes be on the line. And if we don't hit quarter after quarter, that can mentally put you on a roller coaster that can be very hard to get off of. And empathizing with that and I know every SE organization is different, but in my experience a lot of SE orgs share a team number which is very different than carrying an individual quota in an individual bag, where not only are you counting on it and your family's counting on it, but your job and your livelihood and your mental state. If you get on a low point on that roller coaster, you could get in a place where you end up missing quarter after quarter because you're mentally not there. And so, I think just keeping that in the back of your mind will make you more empathetic of rarely do you know. Of course, if an AE is is crushing it, then then that's obvious by the leaderboards and whatnot. But on the flip side, it can be really hard to know what you know they're internally potentially struggling with. So that's that's one thing. Um, The second thing that I will say is we have the obligation to the business to drive revenue, especially if you're a publicly facing company. We're not only fighting for the revenue, but we're fighting for the logo rights and we're fighting for every nook and cranny that lives in that MSA and everything they want to take out and negotiate. And there's so many different pieces of the puzzle that make the deal that is, can be heavy, especially if you're at the end of a a very large deal. And so I think as soon as you just understand, and this goes the same for me as an AE, I should always be seeking to understand what are your priorities right now as an SE team? Where's your head at? What are you working on? And as soon as I know, I might understand, oh, that's why that took, you know, a couple extra days. And so once you have that trust and once you have that relationship, you might have more of an actual opportunity to ask the right questions. But I would say just put that in in your back pocket, keep that with you, and that I hope may give you some more empathy.
1: I don't know how that could not give it give more empathy in that situation, uh-huh. that partnership, the way that you framed it, right? Because yeah, to your point, SEs we we have a variable compensation, typically most SEs do, but yeah, it's correlated to a team number. It's not like every single quarter we have a personal number and we're carrying a bag that we have to hit, and and keep this this ongoing pressure um, quarter after quarter. So. Yeah, thanks for for sharing that, and um, that's something I'll I'll definitely keep in the back of my head uh, moving forward. But to go a little bit further along that those lines of like empathy from your AE perspective, are there things that SEs do that really grind AE gears that maybe we could not do going forward or yeah. uh, potentially resolve? And I know you mentioned list meetings was one of those things that grinds your gears, but anything yeah. specifically that SEs do?
2: So I might, I might flip it to something that became really clear to me. I remember. So Alex knows that I I, I partner with Rory Pop, and people listening might might know him. I think he um, is. For well, first of all, he's second to none when it comes to being a solutions engineer, by far the best one that I've worked with in my entire career. I haven't had the pleasure of working with both of you, but Rory is absolutely exceptional. And the reason I bring that up is because I remember, it's almost like flipping your question a little bit because it's not that there are certain things that SEs do or have done that I've thought, oh, that, that's annoying, but it's what worry does that I had some light bulbs go off of. He's so good because of, and it's his ability to ask the right questions at the right time in a very authentic way, almost as if he's an AE. I think the best AEs ask the right questions that's how you get the information to build your strategy and form your strategy. But it's like almost to the point where you feel like there's, in the best way possible, not a bad way, you feel like there's two AEs because you're both jiving and our personalities are quite different. And he, the way that we work together and play off one another has been, again one of the most incredible experiences of my career and so if i were to answer your question more pointed i think what you can do as an se because if i were to say these are the things that bother me it's very specific to me i feel and so as an se i think what would be great is almost asking because i have different strengths than my colleague that sits next to me and obviously that's virtually sitting next to me we're not sitting next (laughs) to each other right now but i have different strengths than the other nine people on my team and so there has to be an authentic conversation with those other aes and their se to say what do you need from me what can i do and hey if this bothers you if something bothers you don't just brush it under under the rug tell me because then we can be better for it. So that's not exactly answering your question, but I think it gets there to some degree. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. And it's very much taking a, a positive spin and it, it's like a mentorship or coaching perspective, right? You want to <laughs> accentuate the positives and keep doing those things. So I, I definitely like that, that answer. Um, so in one of our past episodes, we, we brought on two Twilio SEs, which one is, was one of the top rated sales kickoff presentations at our Twilio sales kickoff meeting earlier this year. Um, everyone listening, if you haven't, check it out. It's the inverse of this conversation, but they ultimately broke out some tensions that arise in the AES partnership. And Kendra, I wanted to get your perspective on this and see if you have a similar view, if you agree, disagree. And, um, and second, I would like to know just some things that we can do to address some of these tensions when they inevitably arise in, in the sales cycle. But the two tensions were around kind of more general sales cycle tensions, and mm-hmm. the second was around opportunity tensions. And so the the quick high level on the general tensions that might arise in the sales cycle, these are things like, double booking meetings, doing unnecessary travel, uh, support issues that that fall in the SE or the AE to drive forward, uh, agenda list meetings, which is one that you brought up. So mm-hmm. uh, would love to just jump into a couple of those like general tensions and see is is there a best way we could work together with the AE partner to alleviate some of those?
2: Yes, I think there's there's always a way that we can, we can do better. Of course, if you are juggling many different deals at one time, there's of course, and and juggling many different AEs at one time, there's higher likelihood that there's going to be situations where it's double booked. I think from the get-go, if there's So there was actually an example last week where there was a meeting and I looked at Rory's calendar and he was already double booked at that time. I actually didn't even tell him about the meeting, which I should have told him (laughs) about the meeting. But I was like, I'm not going to put this on his plate right now. He is already double booked at that time. And... Fast forward to this week, he ended up sending me a DM because I, I mentioned an output of the meeting. They the customer ended up walking us through their entire um, internet management lifecycle in Slack, and it was really cool. And Rory pinged me and was like, "Man, I would kill to have seen that." And I was like, oh, "I was like, I'm so sorry. I completely forgot to tell you about it. My intention wasn't to not include you. You were already double booked, and they looked yeah. important." And so that's that's hitting on the first piece, which is double booking. I made a call that from his calendar, we're, we're very open. They weren't private meetings. I could see what they were. I made a call that I could pitch this one without him. We did touch on security. I, did, I pitched it without him. He has a relationship with them already. But I just made a call that I'm not going to even put the cognitive burden on him to make the decision. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to that was one where I just kept flying the plane solo and it was fine. Um, fortunately the call was recorded. So he got to hear that. He got to hear it anyway, because we use gong, but oh, then, yeah, same here. <laughs> I think that's one thing that once you get into a groove, you can start to do, I am certain that there have been situations where SEs have taken a call without me because I've been double booked and I'm okay with that. And so you have to know, based off your partnership. Is that something where, are you working with an AE and they want to be included every time? He saw this because we communicate in Slack, it's all in channel, all the notes are there. So there's never an intention to leave people out. That's not smart for strategic reasons, of course, on the account. But I do think there's scenarios where we can do a better job as a team of making those calls and if that's okay, of course, with the other person and catching them up later using Slack and, and just making it a best practice if we share all our notes back in Slack. Um, and so that's one example. I think the unnecessary travel, very similar. Fortunately, I, fortunately, it was more often than not travel via car and I was the one traveling via plane. So, less less of that in my most recent examples. But again, same thing. If there's a situation where you have to decide between two very important meetings in one day, you either have to figure out a, a different path forward. There have been situations where I've had an SE that was out on paternity for a very important meeting. And so we had to say, who can stand in for you? This has to have SE support figuring that out and of course not saying don't take your pto or don't take paternity or you have to be here it's it's not about that it's just about finding a solution and it's i'm not trying to make it sound so simple but it really is communication right and the foundation of being able to openly communicate is of course having that that trust with one another Mm -hmm. if there's something that can be improved upon where, you know, let's just say there's a low bar of craftsmanship on deck creation or low bar of preparation before a meeting. I mean, going to things that, you know, create tension or I guess to your prior question around what irk me, don't come to a meeting unprepared. You have to do the homework just like I have to do the homework, just like you know, the customer had or the prospect had to research to even get here today. Um, and so there's definitely areas of coaching where, you know, as an, as an AE, if, you know, if I'm seeing something that's consistent, I think it's only fair to have a conversation about that, right? We all want to be better and we all want to be more impactful and show up in a way that um is well received by by prospects
1: yeah i've I've been uh nodding my head pretty much this entire time that you've been talking because yeah i'm loving these points that that you're you're hitting on and yeah to your point in in many ways like having that communication trust in your partner and uh even like going through things like providing feedback to each other it, it might not be the most enjoyable thing in the moment but in many ways it could bring a deeper level of partnership to to the table right like it it's like this level of um this level of almost like you're you're two people just making each other better and having some of these tensions is not always a bad thing good things can can come out of that um yeah so go ahead
2: uh, you you mentioned something though, and I do think, I forgot to bring it up, but you mentioned um, opportunity tensions. And I, I, f- I think where you're going with that is not necessarily having full visibility into how are you forecasting this? Where are you calling it? What pricing are you putting forth? When are you putting that forth? Um, it's, I feel like I keep talking about Slack and I'm not trying to pitch Slack at all, but I can't remember a world without it. And so <laughs> one of the things that, that I do with my SE partner, and there are definitely times where I'm so deep in the negotiation that I have to come up for air and think, oh my gosh, I have to provide an update on this because there's so many people that helped us get here that wanna know and they deserve to know and they have to you know, speak about it in their meetings too. So there's a couple of things that are my responsibility of course is the AE is to keep Salesforce hygiene up to date, have the next steps in there. Our SEs can see that. But in Slack, I will include them into the channels where we're having the discussions around the MSA and we're negotiating that and we're having the discussion around what does the pricing proposal look like? And I invite them in to where we're talking about the timeline and how I'm calling it. And so sometimes it's not me providing them updates, but it's making sure they have visibility to pull that information when they need it. And there's definitely times where I'll get like a nudge of, hey, I, I don't want to bother you, but I'm anxiously awaiting updates here. And so, you know, that's an area of opportunity for me as well, because sometimes as AEs, you get so laser focused on, I just, we have to bring it in that I'm sure it, you know, it's, it's, it's not fair to our SC counterparts who have been there every step of the way. So, um, I was grateful to hear the points they brought up in the last podcast. I did listen to it.
0: Yeah, that's really great to hear. I hope they had some, some really great points around opportunity tensions. And I love the theme that you just talked about, which is this transparency, visibility, openness, uh, and, and just sharing that in these public channels. So continuing on opportunity tensions a little bit, there are other oppor- opportunity tensions such as, you know, maybe misalignment around strategy or objectives or, uh, hey, you know, maybe asking for a demo and, and someone doesn't feel the demo is ready, uh, completing RFPs, maybe maybe one person doesn't, I guess the SE, maybe the, maybe the SE doesn't feel <laughs> like qualified to, to complete an RFP and fill out hundreds of questions, you know, maybe running POCs or... Yeah. There could be a tension where, hey, I'm not sure if this is qualified yet. Like, what would be the best way as your SE counterpart to say, like, hey, I don't think this is qualified right now?
2: I think you call it how you see it. That is my take on it. And if we're not doing that, we are wasting time. Or we're chasing tennis balls. Or we're just taking orders. It is our job to qualify in or out as early as we can. And if you're if you're sniffing that this isn't real, you have an obligation to say that today. We shouldn't spend our time here for X, Y, Z reason. Not just I don't want to. You would never do that. Either of (laughs) you, you wouldn't do that. But you see what I'm. You see what I mean, right? It's absolutely having the courage call it and it's not personal. You have substantial reasons why you feel like an RFP. I'm not going to get started, but I have very strong feelings on RFPs and pilots. Any SE that's ever worked with me knows that I say no, 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 we're not doing that until until it's almost so obvious that that will make the deal happen. Um which is probably another podcast. But I do think that it is easy for aes to get happy years especially if they're more junior in their career they get very excited about having oh we have our hat in the ring we got to do this rfp we got to do this this and this and what they're not thinking of in that moment is the three steps after that if a customer wants an rfp from you they probably at minimum are asking two other vendors for an RFP and they probably will say, check, 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 we were gonna go with Microsoft anyway, but you made us do these RFPs, so here you go. So I think the pressure from the SEs, in my opinion, is healthy. And so if there's any, um, you know, we might disagree, You might say, I don't think we should do this. And I might say, I feel very strongly we should do this for this reason, this reason, and this reason. Can we have a healthy debate about it and ultimately come to a decision, whether it's yours or mine? And maybe it's not our call. Maybe it's my manager's call. Do you want us to to go after this or not? Or maybe it's yours. So you just have to figure out a way to a solution. If there, if if you disagree, but I do think you keep voicing your what, like what you're sniffing and what you're smelling.
0: Wow! Yeah, those you've shared some incredible answers, Kendra. Well, thanks so much. We're gonna move on to this next part of the episode, which is these rapid fire questions. We ask the same questions to every guest uh, before wrapping up. So what is one book that has greatly influenced your professional or personal life?
2: So I am a bit of a bookworm, and there are many that come to mind when uh, when I think about this. So some of them cross both professional and personal. So some of my favorites are uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things, Leaders eat Last, From Good to Great. I love, love, love Shoe Dog, both for personal and professional reasons. It's um, a biography about Nike. But the one that has probably made the most impression on my career is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And more recently, The Infinite Game. But start with why is, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like, right? It's with anything, you want to get to the heart of why you're doing something. And the whole premise is people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And it's absolutely part of how I've been so successful at Slack because I believe in the why. Why we do what we do. We are on a mission to make your working life more simple, pleasant, and productive. That's something I can get behind, and that's something I can sell. So that's one that that I love. It's not a long one. Um, I think there's even a TED Talk on it, but that's one that always comes to mind.
1: Love that. Yeah, great great TED Talk as well. But it sounds like you're you're very well read. So thanks for um, for suggesting some of those those additional books. Um, yeah. this, the second of three questions in the rapid fire is, what is the worst professional advice that you've ever been given?
2: Um, I'm going to have to say the, this is like twofold, but the response of it is what it is, just keep your head down. Now, when I think back on that Phrase that is horrible advice. It is what it is. Well, no, it's not. If you're in a situation and it is for whatever reason, it's not going the way you wanted to, or it's not working out, or you're hitting a wall, you always have choice. You can choose to remove yourself from that situation if it's a toxic environment or perhaps, you know, a culture or a role that is just eating away at you. You can choose something that is more than nothing, or you can choose to raise it and have healthy conversation with your manager if appropriate, or take action and try to make proactive change and make it better you know whatever the situation is I think we should all be reaching to do better and, and make change where where appropriate and if we can't maybe think about you know removing ourselves from the situation or moving on whatever that is
1: yeah, that, that's so true there's always a choice right even in, in action is a choice right yeah So flipping that question on its head on uh, what actually is the best professional advice that you've been given?
2: So my favorite piece of advice, and the good thing is I have been given a lot of really good advice. And I think about that pretty, pretty often, at least, you know, every, every couple quarters when I'm doing reflection, I have these moments of gratitude because I wouldn't be where I am without amazing mentors, amazing managers, people that have, you know, led me to water and really helped me kind of see the through the trees. One that sticks with me that I still think about frequently is if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And not to say that it's often where I walk into a room and think, oh, I'm the smartest one in here. Not the case at all. But if you have a moment like that, it's worth reflecting on, am I growing in the ways that I want to? Am I pushing myself to move forward in my career in the, in the ways that I had hoped? Or the you know, am I in line with the goals that I've set for myself? And if you have those moments where you find yourself in rooms and you are the one, it could even be as simple as, you know, you're the go-to person for everything. Is there an opportunity for you to reach higher and get uncomfortable again? Because when you're uncomfortable, you grow the most. And so that was some advice that I got years ago. And I think about it very often. And I'm really grateful that someone said it like that to me.
1: Yeah, that, that's super impactful and I think some amazing advice so thank you for for sharing that and for for coming on and sharing a lot of these stories that that you have shared with us so far
0: yeah in wrapping up this episode Kendra I just wanted to acknowledge you and thank you for taking some time to share your voice and perspective with us and, and with the the community uh, you're, you're humble you're collaborative you're just very authentic and uh, approachable, and hearing your story and some of your answers was just incredibly inspiring. Uh, I know I'm going to re-listen to this and, and take notes, and uh, I feel lucky to work alongside you at Slack. And you're truly one of the uh, the best AEs and, and world class. So thanks again for coming on the show.
2: Truly, my pleasure. This was this is such an honor and and so fun. To spend the time and thank you for inviting me into into this community and who knows maybe i can interview the two of you sometime soon
0: <laughs> kendra i think if, if you had a, a podcast uh, everyone would listen uh, definitely at slack so uh, if you if you definitely had a, a podcast i think everyone would listen
2: all right i'll consider it i'll put it on the considerations list
1: Wow. What a great episode. We wanted to take a second and thank you for listening. We appreciate you and hope this episode helps you learn and grow in your career as an SE and in your professional life. If you found this conversation as insightful as we did, please share the podcast with a teammate or your team and let us know what you think by subscribing and rating wherever you listen. Finally, if there are any topics or speakers you think would be great for the podcast, please use the email alias in the show notes to reach us. We'll see you next time on the Edge of Sales Engineering.